Hello and welcome to the Divorced Dadvocate, where we help dads create a healthy and less traumatic divorce. My name is Jude Sandoval and I am your host. All right, today we are going to be talking about a topic that seem, that that we've kind of been touching on quite a bit over the past month or two and seems to be coming up quite a bit in some of our, our group meetings, as well as uh, some of uh, the private client sessions. And that is the topic of avoidance behaviors. So we all have them. And the we're gonna we're gonna call today's episode what are you avoiding and but before we jump into that a couple show notes real quick first one is the divorce quiz it's been really fantastic been getting a great response from that people have been garnering some good results in taking that at the divorcequiz.com it is a tool to help you see where you're at during or after divorce in comparison to others who have gone through divorce. It'll take about 10 or 15 minutes. It's going to spit out immediately your, um, your gauge, like your results, where you're at in comparison to others. And you can look at that on a chart. If you want some uh, time with me to review the results and kind of talk about them in details, we can do that for free as well. That's uh, that will come in the email for you as well. So check that out. Either go to the divorcedadvocate.com and click on divorce quiz. There's a tab there or go directly to the divorcequiz.com. Second note, actually, I'm going to have three notes. Second note is we're going to have an app coming out. It's going to house all of our, our, our materials, all the divorce advocates, uh, tools, et cetera. It's going to house the blog. It's going to house the podcast. It's going to house the, the webinars. It's going to house the workshops. It's going to house the classes. It's going to house the group meetings and where to, to get on with those, as well as just all kinds of other resources. So that's coming up pretty soon. But I'd like your help on this and the third note, which is what is it that you would like to see included in that app, as well as topics for future podcasts? Um, you know, I, I, I try to keep things as relevant as possible and try to find things that are going to help you uh, during and after the process of divorce. But I'd really love to hear any feedback that, that you've got or any particular topics or ideas that, that you have and address those and either bring experts on or talk about uh, those myself. All right, so what are you avoiding? Now, we could probably talk for a very long time about avoidance behaviors, but I wanted to touch today on just a few, five avoidance behaviors that seem to be kind of the most common ones that, that we see. And we've talked about in the past how we adapt our behaviors based upon our childhood or our, our early adult life. And some of these behaviors really aren't your fault. They are just behaviors that we have inherently learned in, uh, in, our, in our lives that then we start to you know, utilize, but then hopefully recognize. So we utilize them to survive uh, early adulthood or, or childhood, and then we recognize in our adult life that they're no longer serving us. So let's talk about some of those. The first one is avoiding certain situations. Now, 
this is probably the most accessible type of avoidance to to spot it's situational avoidance uh, is when an individual avoids specific situations locations people um, because of a poor past experience or maybe some um, anxiety that they're experience uh, experiencing from that so you know if you've had that that one friend who will always ask who's going to be there or where's it going to be or what are we going to be doing before they'll agree to to go somewhere with you or do something with you they're probably trying to avoid the situation another example um one one for me was avoiding a particular restaurant and a particular restaurant that had memories around my ex so i didn't want to go there it's a popular restaurant if we're ever meeting there anybody suggested it uh you know i would avoid that situation either politely excuse myself from going or try to convince the the person or the group to go somewhere else and so that is avoiding certain situations now i don't just want to point these out i want to give uh give you some solutions to helping to address what you know we we're talking about what these are but solutions to how you can deal with some of these avoidance behaviors so a solution to to this avoiding certain situations might be if you can recognize it now I, i'm cognizant of the fact that we don't always recognize this and oftentimes it's easier to recognize it in other people than it is to recognize it in ourselves, and this particular one is pretty easy to recognize in other people more than it is to recognize in ourselves but if you can recognize that you might be avoiding uh, certain situations see if you can lean into that situation and, and when i when i say lean into that that could be several different things for uh, for me it might just be thinking about why I um, I am having the feeling or wanting to avoid it, uh, maybe bring up those memories of uh, of, of what it was, uh, potentially even talk about it or journal. And I'm going to talk about that too a little bit as a as a tool. We've talked about this in the past of way a way in which to get your feelings out if you are able to recognize and notice that you are avoiding those feelings because really what we're doing in all of these avoidance behaviors and all avoidance and numbing and whatever we might be doing is 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 attempting to protect ourselves from feelings that are uncomfortable to us so if you can recognize that utilizing tools in order to sort and work through them is really the best thing so leaning into that can be just simply thinking about the memories that you might have at that restaurant that you went to with your ex and just allow the feelings to come up and just have those feelings and be okay with it maybe even it maybe even taking the next step would be going to the restaurant and seeing how you do with those feelings and those memories that come up while you're doing that so lean into try to lean into that that situation if you have a friend that you might be noticing that is doing this, you could bring it up very delicately and nicely. And that would be kind of in a sense or in, in saying something to the fact that I notice whenever I want to do X or go to X or whatever that situation might be, that it doesn't feel like you're comfortable doing so. Is that true? 
Now, this doesn't, it's not a guarantee that they're going to say, oh, yeah, I recognize that. It might be, and I, this is my case. I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't have a problem with that until it's time for me or them or, or whomever you might be communicating with to be able to recognize that in themselves. But um, you're doing a person a favor, you're doing a friend a favor. If you do bring that up to them, that you recognize that. So that might help them recognize that they're having that behavior. And I can't tell you how many times I've had people say stuff like that to me, where I was initially just very closed off to the suggestion even that that was happening, but a little bit at a time and maybe a little bit down the road, I would say, hmm, yeah, they're, they're right about that, or that's probably pretty true. I need to address that. So um, it's, it's, it's easy for somebody else to, to see it. So if somebody's saying it to you, try to be open and, and pay attention to, to what that might be as well. So that's number one, avoiding certain situations. This next one is, is probably one that you can recognize in yourself more than you might be able to recognize in somebody else. And that is cognitive avoidance. Now, um, you know, if you're experiencing cognitive avoidance, you may find yourself repressing memories or refusing to think of certain situations. So like that's uh, like the example I was giving you about the, the restaurant and not wanting to go there because I wanted to keep cognitive avoidance about thinking about the memories of being there with with my ex. So, um, you know, the sure sign is you're cognitively avoiding something if you start thinking about something, but then you tell yourself not to think about it or whatever subject you are thinking about and just change it in your mind. So that could be mean that something's coming up, some feelings coming up, uh, et cetera. Um, you know, you could be that could be something that somebody's saying to you that is a that is bringing that is uh, making you feel uncomfortable or, or, or feeling some pain or fear uh, as well. And then you just want to just change it in your mind. You want to think about something else. And this is where we start getting into all kinds of adaptive behaviors that are not beneficial to us. We could be avoiding, we could be working out too much, we could be drinking, we could be video gaming, we could be doing any kind of things to try to avoid that, uh, that, 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 or continue to have that cognitive avoidance by doing whatever it might be. So what is a solution? What is a tool that will help you to deal with that cognitive avoidance? I love journaling. I know I'd say it all the time. I know that I was also very reticent and very slow to getting into the journaling. But now if there's a feeling like that, if I change the subject on something, if I avoid thinking about something, if I avoid uh, a subject uh, in my mind, then I know that that discomfort is telling me to get it down on paper and really bring it uh, to the surface. There's something about writing something, and I like to do it by hand, that brings something to the surface where then you can visualize it if you reread it or you reread it out loud. It brings it to your conscious awareness. You hear it, you see it. On, so you have very uh, different inputs in, you know, like um, uh, inputs back to yourself. Oh, there's a word for that. I can't think of, but 
that you're then able to have your brain and your mind thinking about that then and then helping you to work through whatever feelings. Again, we're trying to get to the underlying feeling that is coming up that is keeping us from and making us avoid what it is that's that's coming up. So I love the journaling, particularly around trying to sort out the myriad of things that are going on in my mind. So that's the second one, cognitive avoidance. The third one, oh, and this one was a really challenging one because of uh, my upbringing, and that is perfectionism. Perfectionism and other compulsive behaviors like obsessive compulsive disorder can all be recognized and classified as uh, avoidance behaviors. Um, they manifest in, in different ways for different reasons. But if you find yourself obsessing um, over ensuring something is done perfectly, this could be that you're trying to avoid facing or thinking about a problem or an emotion. And so I've got some great examples. Like I said, I was this was a really big one for me. One of them is, and I can tell immediately when I start do that, doing this, that there's something on my mind and that is cleaning or straightening or tidying, tidying up incessantly. Like I'll just start cleaning my room or cleaning the bathroom or cleaning the kitchen and, and like in detail and having to have it just be really sparkling and ridiculously clean. And I know when it starts happening, we're just tidying everything or straightening all the, the knickknacks and tchotchkes and everything else in and around the house. That is a sure sign for me that I've got something that is like coming up that I am not paying attention to. Um, another one for me was making my bed. So um, having to make my bed, have my room in order, have everything perfect before I leave the house in the morning. That was a, a, another sign. And that is another sign. Now, there's nothing wrong with making your bed. I do it every morning now. But like, what's the solution? What's the solution to that perfectionism? And we want to get to, to we want to get to breaking that, that, that cycle of avoidance behaviors first, right? So what can we do to break that cycle first? And, and it might not even be that we're getting to the root of what the feeling is, but just trying to break that behavior so that potentially we allow that to, to come up. So, so a, a solution for that, for, for the perfectionism, could be to just let something slide. So an experiment that, experiment that I did with myself, I, I shouldn't say it in, well, it is, it was an experiment, but then I've also done with clients as well was not making my bed for an entire week. So I would get out of bed, get ready. And it's traditionally before, like, but right before I'm, I'm, after I'm all ready and ready to leave my room, I make my bed and everything's tidy in my room. So I would leave that, I would look at it and I would leave the room in the morning. And, and so for others that are experiencing that or some experiencing some other type of perfectionism, try to do without whatever it is that you're incessantly or, uh, or wanting or having to have be perfect and do that for a period of time where you can kind of get comfortable what you're doing is you're just getting comfortable with seeing that you're going to be okay without that happening 
So you're just basically rewiring your mind to feel okay with the fact that you are going to survive without something having to happen without that, that perfect, whatever it is happening or the perfect in your mind, whatever it is happening. And then after a while, when you're able to see that it's okay, hopefully you're feeling more comfortable and then you're identifying and seeing some of these feelings around why you're feeling those, the why you're feeling that you have to have that behavior or what that feeling is that's coming up that's uh, making you you know, avoid that feeling by having this perfectionist behavior. So that's the third one, perfectionism. The fourth one is changing the subject. Now, we probably recognize this one in others all of the time. Maybe not, but I've gotten really good at it, particularly with uh, three teenage daughters who oftentimes don't want to talk about the topics that daddy wants to talk about, but they know now that I won't <laughs> allow that to happen. So I've gotten really good at uh, not getting distracted, even if they bring up some of my favorite topics or switch to topic to, oh, well, so how was your day, daddy? <laughs> that, um, that I can do that. It's a little bit harder to see it in uh, yourself. Now, here's the, the, you know, signs if you're having a conversation, you find that persons are, uh, that you're talking with change the subject. Uh, of course, it's not maybe if they're not doing it one time, but if you recognize like a pattern over a period of time where you might be spending time with them or when you're, you're doing it over uh, a period of time, like, like perhaps somebody's asking you something about your, your ex, right? And, and I find this is a, an interesting one, dating now after divorce if I ask somebody about their ex and they want to change the, the, the subject or the topic right away, this to me is an avoidance behavior. And, it, and I've recognized that if so, like early on when somebody was asking me when I was on dates, like, tell me about your ex or tell me about uh, your breakup, I'd want to change the topic. After you see that it happens more than one time, then again, if, it's, if you're doing it yourself, maybe this is a good opportunity that you can ask your, your, your close family or friends to observe you and say, hey, do you notice that there's anything that I might be avoiding in conversation or any kind of topic that uh, when you bring up, I just, I'm, you seem to feel that I'm uncomfortable with and then have a conversation with them about that. Now, sometimes friends and family aren't the best if you're going to get into some deep emotions and feelings about that because they might be part of what those deep emotions are. But if you can identify that or if you have a friend that cares enough to identify something, uh, you know, something about uh, changing subjects that you can talk with somebody about the the subject. So again, it's kind of leaning in to uh, to what's uncomfortable. I, I, I feel like I've gotten to the point now where if it feels uncomfortable, it's a sign to me that I'm supposed to be talking about it, particularly if it's in relationship, whether it's a professional relationship or romantic relationship, 
uh, a family relationship that if I'm feeling discomfort about something, instead of changing the topic, especially when it comes up or somebody brings it up, I should be leaning into it and talking about it because now after so many times of beating my head against the wall, I know that life is not going to allow me to avoid it. So um, if you also, if you've got somebody like a therapist or a coach to talk about, identify it, maybe write it down and bring it up in a therapy session in a space that is safe for you, where you can allow those emotions and feelings to come up if they do. All right, our last one, and this is this is kind of comical, but it's also a sign of, uh, of an avoidance behavior, and that's inappropriate emotions. Now, sometimes when you don't want to face a certain behavior emotion, you'll replace it with a different feeling. So an example might be um, people who are feeling sad about something may avoid the emotion by becoming angry at the slightest occurrence. And you can also call this uh, displacing, you know, displacing your feelings or emotions, right? So if you're feeling sad about something else, then you become angry at somebody else about something that they said, but you're really feeling sad, but you displaced that or had an inappropriate emotion about something that might not have been a big deal, but it's because you're feeling sad. Another one is you've, you've probably seen, especially on, on, on comedies or sitcoms, the people that laugh at during a, during a, a sad period or sad time, like a funeral, the, the latest ones that, that I've noticed, and we've seen in the news is Vice President Kamala Harris, who when pressed on answering a question that might be uncomfortable for her, has this kind of weird laugh that she has. And so that's a inappropriate emotion during a questioning of something that that should be a, a serious uh, time. So what can we what can we do about that? Because particularly we don't notice that always in uh, in ourselves um, in, in, in the way that's uh, the way that we reacted to it. So um, again, this is a great one that's that's uh, but except the fact that we all kind of know that there's a decorum around certain situations. So maybe the displaced anger one is a little bit more challenging, but inappropriate emotions, laughing when you should be somber or um, or sad when you should be happy or, or in situations that are that are um, celebrations. Let's say you're celebrating a a a, a friend's uh, whatever it might be, a party or a birthday or whatever but you're um, sad and somber. So that's, that's a, a sign that your emotion isn't appropriate to the situation or the environment that you're in. And for the most part, we all know that, you know, when it is appropriate and when it is not appropriate. And it's not to say that you shouldn't have these emotions. It's just to say that how you are displaying them at the time that they are coming up should be conducive to the uh, situation and the environment that you are in. So if you notice, and again, sometimes it, maybe it's a one-off, right? Maybe it's a one-off that, hey, you something struck you funny during something at a time where it should have been sad. And maybe it was something completely appropriate. 
that's not this case. If you see something that's ongoing, where where it is some where it is a trend, where it is something that you see, or you have a friend that identifies it, then pay attention to that. And again, this is a great one to ask a friend, a family member, somebody that's close to you. Hey, is there something that you notice inappropriate emotions? Usually, you're, this is going to be a self-identified one where you can look and say, mm, "Maybe I shouldn't have handled that, or maybe I shouldn't have reacted." in this manner. So what can I do about it? Again, talk with somebody that you trust, a therapist or journal to get again to that underlying feeling that you are having during, uh, during that inappropriate emotion. So that's the fifth one. Now, these are some of the most common and uh, easiest to identify avoidance behaviors. Uh, but this is definitely isn't all of them we could probably talk for an hour we probably could have some great stories if you've got a good story about avoidance behaviors or some crazy ones please comment or please email me and share i would love to hear about them i shared just some of them that uh, that i've experienced or that i have exhibited uh, as well but uh, or you know we have friends too that that have some silly crazy uh, ones uh, as, as, as well. But, um, you know, the, the most important thing is to uh, investigate the, the behavior further to discover what may be going on beneath the surface, the, the feelings or the emotions that are happening, because we want to come to that place of identifying that, working through it, and healing so that we can move forward in a much healthier and a productive manner. So I hope that you found some value in, in, in maybe, hopefully, we've identified some avoidance behaviors of your own. If they are, let me know and uh, comment as always, like, and most importantly, share as much and across the board with as many people as possible. Everybody knows a brother, a son, a friend if you aren't already going through a divorce or been through a divorce we all know somebody that is going through it so let's expand this divorce advocate community we have got just at a huge and amazing amount of momentum going on this podcast has now been listened to in over 60 countries and over 1300 uh, cities that's downloaded that's not even just streamed and, and just listened to so the reach is global we are helping thousands and thousands of men just like yourself also know that you're not in this by yourself join one of our group meetings or go to a workshop go to the divorcedadvocate.com plug into all that we'll have the app out soon for everybody as well to get all those resources in one place thank you so much for listening today i am jude sandval the divorce advocate and god bless